Every business should have access to high-speed internet, no matter where they are. But getting fast speeds in rural Canada hasn't always been easy, which meant less reliability, scalability, and connectivity. ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions has the network to help you do business virtually anywhere in Canada. With extensive fiber, fixed wireless, and satellite networks, we're bringing the high speeds of the big city to small towns, to tiny towns, and even no towns. No matter your business size or location, get connected today with ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions. Are you ready to clear a new path? Welcome to Clearing a New Path podcast, a space for the underrepresented voices of women entrepreneurs in rural Canada. I'm your host, Shauna Ray. Each episode, guests will speak authentic truth because it's the truth that connects us. Each one inspires us all to take up space within our own communities and within the business world, reminding us that each path can be messy and unique. Join us on the journey, clearing a new path. Still is the creative behind Massagana Flower Farm and Studio, a small-scale flower farm dye studio near La Bracarie, Manitoba. In this immigrant, Filipina-led small business, Lourdes puts a priority on sustainable growing practices. She grows seasonal blooms, dye plants, and makes handmade, small-batch, naturally-dyed textile goods. She grows crops without synthetic fertilizers in garden beds where lawns previously existed. In summer, she offers experiential tours called Tinta, a dye-your-own wearable art experience. It's a three-hour engagement at the farm where guests participate in a multifaceted experience on flower farming, dye plants cultivation, you-pick flowers, and natural dyeing. She advocates for an eco-conscious lifestyle and inspires others to reimagine their green spaces. She believes that growing joy through flowers and creating magic through dye plants is right at our fingertips, and our gardens present opportunities to respond positively to the climate emergency. Okay, Lourdes. Where in rural or remote Canada are you? Where do you hail from? Yeah, so I am in southeast Manitoba in between the towns of Richer and La Brokery. So that is um, an hour away from the city of Winnipeg um, in the province of Manitoba. Let's talk about how your professional career led you to having your own business. My introduction to flowers began um, when I used to work as a flower buyer. So it's basically, 
a job as a purchasing coordinator in the company that I used to work for buys flour from all over the world. But my account, um, together with another senior buyer, um, yeah, we were buying flowers from South America, um, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, Guatemala. Yeah, those are the places that um, I used to buy flowers from. I don't know, from flower buyer, now I'm a flower grower. <laughs> but that was my introduction to the world of flowers. What did you do before that? I moved here from the Philippines. And I actually have a degree in nutrition and dietetics. Um, and that was the goal in moving to Canada. Um, the hope was to practice that profession here. Um, I didn't end up doing it. Um, but I don't have, you know, um, I don't have much heartache from, you know, not being able to do that. I'm really happy, you know, uh, what had transpired since I moved here in 2009 and things that had, you know, things in my life that led me to um, doing what I'm doing now. But yeah, but I used to be a nutrition and dietitian in the Philippines, moved here, worked as a sandwich artist in Subway. That was my first job here, a Starbucks barista, and then a couple other odd jobs, and then eventually landed the, um, the flower buyer gig. And where was that? Where did you have that job? In Winnipeg, yeah. I was uh, I was a city girl through and through. Um, when I moved to Canada, to Manitoba, that is where I f- first settled in. For a few years, I only moved to the country where I am now in southeast uh, Manitoba in 2018. And why did you decide to move out to the country? Oh, I met a boy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a love story um yeah i met my i met someone his name is kevin yeah we met end of 2015 um and he already had this property uh when we met i was like where the hell is like the brokery it sounds fancy it sounds nice but where is this place <laughs> um yeah and then um he has this property it's a five um acre with aspen forest and then one acre is um is cleared and the first spring that we were together yeah we we garden right away he he was here already for i think maybe a couple years and then prepping that um garden lot um but yeah but our first spring together we 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 grew some of our food and then he was actually the one who said that um lawns are wasteful so um so we slowly um the years that we were dating we would turn um a section after section of the of the lawn and now i think we've turned most of the lawn that uh, we wanted to turn into garden beds it's kind of like how i ended up here and then yeah eventually got married and moved here in 2018 and that's when i actually left the flower buyer job tried it on my own i registered the business i worked for another flower farm actually because i really wanted to know hands on what it would look like what what my life is going to look like if i actually pursue flower farming um full time that was a busy but a welcome change in 2018 uh when i settled here and do all the things <laughs> that are new and and exciting um yeah so that's that's how i ended up here okay so you spent years as a flower buyer for other companies. Yes. Then you worked for a flower farmer. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah and then, then you decided to go out on your own and grow your, grow your own flowers and sell your own flowers. Yeah. I mean, um, so when I was a flower buyer, so we do have, um, I wasn't working 
directly with our end customer. But eventually I learned that some of our customers are flower farmers. So what they do is they grow and use their the flowers that they grow in the summer in their own floral design. But after the growing season in Manitoba, um, they do buy the imported flowers. So when I learned about these flower farms, I was just like shaking my head because I was like, how are they doing that? Like, do they grow flowers? I was just like so naive. Like I didn't know how they're doing it or, or you know, how this kind of like business operates. And then anyway, um, and then through the world of Instagram, you know, I came across Florette Farm, which is in um, in Skagitali in in the states, and they uh, and they you know they are a small family farm too, and they do training, you know, for people who wanted to uh, dabble into uh, flower farming. So that's kind of like how I it really you know my curiosity, and then looking into um, what is this job could look like, especially for like a short growing season in Manitoba. But, you know, but as a business, it was um, the first two years because I was only doing it like part time because it was hard. If I eventually I really fall in love in just like using just locally grown flowers in my design and I didn't want to buy any imported flowers. So that means I won't be able to actually take in any customer like off season because, you know, if I advocating for just locally grown flowers and then I guess just, you know, with my curiosity too, like about who are kind of like in the, my neighbors like around me. You know, I've, I stumbled upon uh, fiber farms, you know, in my area and learned that the yarns that they make from the sheep that they raise, they color them using the flowers that they cultivate. So I thought that really like blew my mind because I don't think I really have any idea where our colors come from. I mean, I have a few recollection <laughs> that I did love flowers growing up, but we use it, you know, in other things and not for dyeing. And and one thing, uh, my favorite one is like indigo. No, I don't know, learning from them that we can actually cultivate indigo in this in in our in our growing zone, which is short, such a short growing season. So, yeah, <laughs> I became obsessed, and and it presented um, an opportunity. Oh, maybe. If I learn about natural dyeing, it could make my business, Masagana Flower Farm, you know, have an still an income generating activity even the off season. So that was in 2019 winter, and I didn't really try until 2020 yet, uh, 2020, <laughs> and then last year um, completely diversify my business model to include natural dyeing. And so you were initially selling flowers you were a flower farm as you say you got obsessed with learning about the dyeing part of it so using flowers to dye fibers and fabric do you dye fabric as well yeah right yes as long as they're natural fibers yeah like um they can't be synthetic not yeah the synthetic don't really take natural dyes effectively and so you found a way to extend the seasons, really, of your business. And is there a huge demand now? Did you see an increase through the pandemic of people wanting more natural, localized items? Oh, good question. Because um, the way that I look at it, it's not so much concentrated like in one product. I think last year, it ended up 
me offering and diversifying my business model to be actually a tourism operator. So not so much about selling just the flowers, but selling this experience, you know, offering people more than, you know, picking their flowers. I was able to extend the experience through this like tangible memory, which is the silk scarves and cotton bandanas that they, they end up dyeing themselves with the flowers that they pick from the farm. So with, in, in terms of demand, what I saw increase in demand last year is people wanted to go out and experience the outdoors. I think of people wanting to find more natural things in their lives is for me, the way I'm seeing it, the way that I had um, offered it to people, like it was for some, it is already what they're looking for. For others, I think that is kind of like the result of the experience. Now, oh, I can make kind of like, you know, these changes in my life and they, it could start with their garden. <laughs> so you're kind of like a destination. You're like a destination tourism, tourism destination. Yes, and that is actually the direction for 2022. And I think the, actually the business model now has evolved to that. And when I was writing my business plan last year and streamlined my offering, the being a tourism operator is, is my main focus now. And then second is the natural diet textile, the ready to meet. So I, I kind of like cat categorize it as um, the uh, make your own and then the ready to wear, which is the natural diet textile that I that I do in, in my own time. And, you know, it's from my own um, creative energy. And the third um, is like the, my flower you pick because I still do a flower you pick, but not as um, not as a main activity of the farm. Yeah, kind of like modify how I did um, the, the flower you pick. But yeah, but that's, it, it evolved to be now like a, a tourism opera at a destination. Yeah, if, if I would say so, yeah. Well, you've increased your revenue streams or you've diversified your revenue streams. And, and I'm curious to know, doing your designs on your own, like you say, using your creative energy is very different than having the energy to instruct, but mostly entertain a group of people. How are you? How were you with that transition? I, I really love it. I, I think to answer this question, I, I cannot um, not say or share what had happened with me like the past few years too, because I, I feel like it's a culmination of what I had experienced from other people too. You know, like I've worked with a flower farm and how she's so passionate, you know, with, with the flowers that she's growing herself. And then at that time, I'm kind of like really figuring out like how will that look like for me, right? I did love the designing aspect as well, but eventually fell out of love of that. And then finding this like new love for natural dyeing because other people were willing to share that with other as well. And I'm referring to that those fiber farms that I visited one winter because they're doing this like workshop. That now I feel like all this like inspiration that I got from other people, I'm ready to like share that now with others and really inspire them then when they go back to their own spaces, to their own gardens. No matter like if it's like a balcony space, because that's where I started, or they have their own like backyard, but they will go back to their own green spaces and I don't know, have to like reimagine it. Like, for example, like I didn't really think about so much about, I didn't like marigold before. 
I've seen then around. But when I learned that it was a dye flower and experienced that the colors that it translate into fabric, I was like, I fell head over heels. And now I want to grow all the marigolds that I can get my hands <laughs> to. You know, um, it, it is a common, common annual plant that we see in the garden. But when I added that element of natural dyeing, I want people to experience what I experience, I guess. I'm planting a seed to people and they, they can take it. That can germinate maybe fast. I, yeah, I just love being with people, especially, yeah, especially with this thing to experience. And, you know, I did it last year and, and I'm really looking forward to um, for it to come back um, this summer. Every entrepreneur has challenges. Have you had any specific challenges uh, relating to being in a rural space and related to being a woman? I think for me, um, it's a lot of like mindset, believing in myself and believing in my business and what I was offering. I mean, it's very common, you know, as, as having this imposter syndrome, I've experienced that. Being discouraged, I've experienced that. But I think last year... I, I, it wasn't like a goal to work on, but if eventually it it became you know something that I work on that um I think kind of I don't know made me like confident about myself like you know showing up being this like person of color like to farm what do I know in zone three. I know I'm still learning. I'm I'm not saying that um uh, I've I've learned everything. I think I think the acceptance that um it is a journey and I don't need to have everything figured out is one thing. And having a support group, I did have a marketing coach late last year and I think aside from her helping me how to tell my brand story to others more effectively and authentically, I think we worked no, not that I think we did work a lot on the mindset um, shift for myself, you know, so that I can show up to people, you know, uh, authentically. I was a city girl, as I mentioned before, so I feel like really energized when I am around people. And when you are in rural, um, the travel to the city became, I can't do like the spontaneity, uh, you know, that I used to have when I was like a city girl. Sometimes I you you know, you felt like left out. But I think with this pandemic, everyone was working from home. What I did is to combat that, that I didn't know that I was doing, but just participating on a lot of like online um, online group, which, you know, one of the uh, women's group like in Winnipeg, who is doing a lot of work with rural um, business owners, especially women, you know, join them and really gain a, a network and encouragement through that group of like rural women. Have you faced any kind of discrimination as a person of color? In my experience, I have not. What maybe I have um, experienced, um, not so much about because of my skin color, but I think just taking the business seriously. Because I mean, flower farm, how would you flower farm? How is that, you know, how is that a viable business in a short, in such a short growing season? I think it was mostly that. So taking myself like seriously, because, well, you know, in 2018, figuring it out, it just looks like a hobby because I'm only like able like to, to grow and, and generate some income in the summer. But including that natural dyeing, hey, actually, 
this is possible. I see the possibility of it. There were still like, you know, um, you would still, I still did encounter people that uh, you can just like feel and hear at the tone of the voice that, you know, I wasn't taken seriously. You know, <laughs> you just pick your ba- battles. And, and I found a community in this women's group that was really cheering me on. Through which months do you have destination tourism events? Most of the booking will happen in the summer. But so I wrote a business plan last year. I applied for a couple of like funding. Um, I got approved for both. And now I'm actually building a studio. So the studio will be the hub of the um, of this experience and with my natural dyeing. And I'm actually will be able to offer this experiential tour in fall and even in winter. The, the beauty with natural dyeing is you can use a fresh or dried flowers. Wow, I did not know that. I had no idea. <laughs> I keep uh, making jokes um, that um, I didn't have any canned food. You know, I didn't preserve any tomato salsa like last year because all my jars were um, used for, for the flowers. <laughs> <laughs> I have all dried flowers that I, you know, that I use for, for my work in winter. What are you looking forward to in the future? It sounds like you have a new business plan, a new focus. What's happening in the next couple of months for you? Starting seating now, this room that I'm in, that I'm recording this interview with you is actually uh, where I sow everything from seeds as well. So yeah, um, starting a lot of seeds already. And we've done all our promotional um, video and materials for the for the relaunching of um, Tinta experience and yeah, I think this coming months, the next couple months, just rolling those up, um, making people excited again, you know, to book their time here at the farm. And at the same time, yeah, it will be a busy spring because we will be building a studio. Um, yeah, so that I can, I will be ready to welcome people again in the summer here and experience um, that joy and magic that I, that I, yeah, that I have here at Masagana Flower Farm. I think the last time we spoke, you told me that you had entrepreneurism in your blood, that your family (laughs) had some entrepreneurial um, experience. My dad, or I call call my parents mom and papa, um, papa is actually a machinist. And so he did have his business for a few years in at our home. He has this like lathe machine and turn all these like big pieces of like steel um into like gear pieces it was it was fascinating so he is creative himself but like just in a you know in a different form and my mom is a homemaker she's a baker she's a seamstress and she still does that in her neighborhood and and people would ask her to make sofa cover like curtains um and make clothing she made my wedding skirt so my parents are entrepreneurs themselves. Um, they're actually gardeners too. Oh my gosh! Like I, this interview is making me like it's making me, me nostalgic because they were gardeners too. I was I didn't have any interest then, but looking back now, what are the first thing? One of the first things that they did when they got their first home, first weekend that they were free, planted fruit trees. My mom um, was an orchid grower, and um, yeah, I got it from them. Amazing. What's your advice to women listening that maybe have an idea, they're living rural or in some remote place in Canada, they know they have an idea and a passion like you did. 
What's your advice to them? Find your tribe. I know that may sound maybe like cliche or you've heard that before, but it did work wonders with me. I mean, I it wasn't easy to to find the group that I felt really welcome and safe to explore my business ideas. But I, eventually I did end up finding a group, you know. So I hope that you will find those resources too, like a, a group that um, you will feel safe to explore your business ideas. Invest in yourself. Like if you are able to, and that investment can look like... Um, attending free workshops that is available to you in whatever aspect of your business and in whatever levels you are in as well Uh, because you're worth it (laughs) you know um, investing yourself it it is it will pay off like over time and um, yeah invest in yourself find your tribe I believe in in timing If, if if you don't feel that things are not happening just do the work in the background and um, trust the process, and um, your time will come. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Lourdes, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and leave a review. It really helps others find us. Clearing a New Path podcast artwork is supported by the graphic design of Katie Wilhelm, and the music branding is by Imagine a Dev Studios. The podcast is produced by Radar Media in Thames Centre, Ontario. It is the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, and neutral peoples who once used this land as their traditional beaver hunting grounds. The First Nations communities closest to this studio are Chippewa of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, Muncie, Delaware First Nation, and the Chippewas of Kettle and Stony Point. We will speak to many people across Turtle Island, and as a settler here, I'm committed to deepening understanding of Indigenous communities and reframing responsibilities to land and community. I am grateful to Mother Earth for the opportunity for love and connection, and to the spirits of the elders and the medicine people who still walk the earth. Until next time.